Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of Scurry in the Scrub. I'm Matthew Marinas. That's the title host, Jordan Scurry. Uh, we're really excited to come at you tonight because uh, we're, 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 we're throwing Creighton off the table for now. No Creighton topics. Just Omaha topics. Specifically, Terrence Bud Crawford because it's fight week, two days away, right? I think it's Thursday's over, technically, when we're recording this. So we're two days away. They just had Fight the final week, shark week. Let's get it. It's shark week. <laughs> we just had the final presser. It was heated. Uh, so the hype is like fully brewing. It's at a boiling point now. Time for them to make weight and hit the scale. One more face off, and then it's go time on Saturday. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to just sound off on this thing because we're hyped about it. Um, and we got a roundtable guest uh, panel to just throw some takes at the wall. See what works. Um, starting with our good buddy Ravi Lula. This is his first appearance on Scurry in the Scrub. You know him from other podcasts, and obviously he's just a terror terrorizing the Omaha uh, radio airwaves uh, the last couple of years, just ascending ascending to the throne of Omaha radio. Um, and then an old buddy, a good buddy, Tony Boone, former World Herald beat writer, covered the Storm Chasers and the Mavs, obviously, but was the, the man on the Bud Crawford boxing beat. Um there is no there is no one with more expertise on that man's career, that man's ascension, and what this fight is kind of um encapsulating than that man right there. So I'm happy to have Tony on. It's been a long time since so we talked boxing in a I guess we've never really talked boxing in on the record. We've wasted a lot of time off the record, but it's good to we, have we you. Sure on have. Time. We sure have. Thanks, man. I do want to start with you if that's cool. Uh, because like I said, you and I have not just been talking boxing for years going back to, I mean I think we met in 2013 2014 mm-hmm. and every we never covered boxing together but every event we covered together ended up having a lot of boxing conversations just because we were both fans um and the Crawford loved. yeah and the Crawford Spence like you know dynamic was something we've discussed a lot over the years uh so that now that it's finally here what now that's finally here and you're not working <laughs> What are some of like the thoughts that go through your head from an emotional standpoint that just like, you know, as far as anticipation for this fight goes? <laughs> I'm here for the fans because uh, like you and I, everyone in boxing has wanted this fight for a long time, probably going back to, you know, 2017 after uh, Crawford had his big win down in Lincoln uh, mm-hmm. at Pinnacle Bank Arena when he uh, knocked out Julius Ndongo and became the uh, undisputed champion at 140 pounds. And there really was nothing left for him to do in that weight class. Um, he was having trouble making 140 at that point. And the up-and-comers weren't really there yet. So it seemed pretty apparent that there was not going to be much for Crawford at 140. So immediately started looking. 147 and what's the big fight for Crawford and it was gonna be the same fight we talked about when he moved to one beat Jeff Horn or at least didn't get the decision against Jeff Horn so Pacquiao was kind of off the table at the time Crawford was gonna move up and Spence was the one who was the up-and-comer at that time and you really kind of started seeing these guys go down paths that were going to converge at some point you know way back then 2017 uh, maybe even 2018 early. And um, uh, as I was telling Matt before we you know, kind of started this today, I can recall back in 2018 being in Oklahoma City where both guys who are friends, he's from the Dallas area, so uh, which is where Spence is from. So they're friends. 
So Spence is there to watch Hooker. But Hooker at the time is also training with Crawford's guys. So Crawford's there to watch Hooker as well. And that led to this impromptu meeting in the hallway uh, of that arena down in OKC that they're still using the video for even this week of the fight because that's right. really prior to now the only time these guys have been in the same place at the same time. So, mm-hmm. you know, they got into it a little bit in, in, in the hallway there in Oklahoma City and at least in a talking sense. And there was trash talk thrown back and forth then. So we're talking like almost, you know, five to six calendar years later that we're finally seeing these two guys getting in the ring. And, and it's basically because Spence has run out of other options. Now, now Crawford is the guy he has to focus on. Whereas Crawford, I think all along it has been ready for this shot and, and wanted to fight Spence, you know, sooner rather than later. So uh, I guess my emotion this week is just like, dang, man, it's, it's been a long time coming. I'm glad we're finally here. Seriously, for sure. I'd like, and the fact that they did the dance where it was like on, off, on, off, it got to the point where it was just like, I just want to see them. If once they make the walk, then I'm like, then I'm in, but I don't really want to hear about it until then. But um, so it was good to finally get, honestly, it felt like once the, once the promoters got out of the way, the guys were just like, look, I want to fight you. You want to fight me. There's no one else in our way right now. It's all, I mean, anybody else we fight right now is a waste of time. We're going to be heavy favorites in all those matches. Um, and we're probably going to walk through them too. So like our legacies, this point in our careers, especially with, you know, I think Spence is 33, Crawford's 35, about to be 36 maybe. Um, there's not, it doesn't make sense for them to prolong this anymore because you're getting to the end of their prime years anyway. So it's just time to make it happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that they're finally getting this thing done. Um, and the hype is at like a fever pitch now. Skur, I know you're like, you got some boxing roots in you. Uh, I think your dad boxed, right? And you trained with him growing up. Is that correct? Yeah. No, it was that. It was my first real trainer, like at a gym. Uh-huh. It was called Desario Training Systems. It was in Dedham, Massachusetts. My man Frank Desario was from like the Rosendale High Park area, and he was the first one to like say, "Hey, here's some here's some gloves. We could do some things." So it, it like helped. It was like 12 years old or so that I like used some like. It, my dad was good about it, just like saying, "Hey, like let's get into some boxing stuff to not always do basketball, basketball, basketball all the time." Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was at the rec center, and then just a different training center. We would go. All over the place. I would see the actual, you know, kids training for the like golden gloves and all that too. So it gave me some exposure to that. So I got close to it in that way. But I never got in the ring. I was never trying to get hit. I was I was That's I was down fair. to do all the drills. Like I was down yeah, to yeah. train like a boxer, but I wasn't ready to be a boxer because you know how it is, man. Well, just to go on a tangent or uh, like a little uh, sidebar real quick, that was actually one of the first organized sports I ever played was boxing. I don't know. Well, because first That's, of all, that explains a lot about you. That doesn't explains it? <laughs> a lot about you. That's good. So first of all, I like am Italian. So and then I was a big Rocky fan growing up. So obviously, like the two just meshed. And then my parents knew I was a Rocky fanatic. So they were just like, I don't know. I think I was like eight or nine years old, something like that. Um, yeah, because I think it was third, fourth grade, fifth grade, that range. They're like, do you want to box? Like, do you want to get into boxing? And I'm just like, uh, what? Yes. Like, where do I where do I go? Like can you do that you know and there's like yeah there's a gym in north omaha like you know it's right near this you know i went to st thomas more which is kind of out in like more south omaha but they would yeah. pick me up after school take me to this gym out in north o and uh yeah i would just like train and spar and yeah i wasn't yeah, i didn't so, end up being so very that, good at that, it so i had to stop eventually but it but, was it was the warrant to hit people you could just go hit people you could go hit yeah, things you could just go yeah be just a maniac like, yeah. a little bit that's how you got it out 
That's mm-hmm. good. It was organized. You weren't. It wasn't I'm glad. Yeah, chaos that's in the ring, see, but it was like. But yeah, I'm glad you tra- got to get it out in an organized way. You know, for you, I feel like that was very healthy at a young age for you. For sure. Like you definitely. Yeah. Have, you would have needed that because I know you have to get it out now. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the, I don't have that capacity anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. But, uh, but like, because you and I talk fighting a lot, you know, and I think that's just because it's part of our roots, you know, it's part of like what we did growing up at, at, at a young age. Like, so we have kind of an affinity for it. Where, where's, what's your hype level as we are two days away from like, Walking, watching them make the walk and and slug it out. So I'm at a, I'm at a, I'm at a huge hype level to the point where, like me and my dad, we got the projector. We're setting up the projector out back for Woo. this one. So yeah, yeah, we're getting locked in. So that's where the hype level is. I'll just, I'll start with that. Love but it. the reasoning is just that I think what I like the most about this is just the storyline behind it, of kind of just like Tony just highlighted before. It's like this is what Bud's been training for, and and this is what just Errol Spence has to protect now. So I think the storyline there is 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 huge, but then also I like the beef. Like I love because you could tell these guys have some type of like it's just like you know when you go up head to head against another, you know the best hooper on the other team where it's like head to head and then you're getting the ones even in an open gym sense. I'll give you that because it's summer, right? Is it's like there's clearly like because I don't want to say it's like disrespect with these guys, but I think the best way to put it is there's agitation, like. It's a lot of buildup. It's five years of that buildup. And then I think it's like now they just, they have like, I think they've, it's been five years of no, I'm, I'm better than you. Like no one, neither back down. And now we get to see it all in the ring. So I, I think that's what the, the storyline means to me and what I'm excited to see most. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think Buzz ready, man. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm rolling. Of course, yeah. So. It was, I mean, it was in your freaking locker room dapping up. Yeah. You know, I'm rolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think you're 100% spot on. Like it is more agitation because each guy like wants what the other has. Like they want the status, like, cause it's been like, they've kind of been on the same path now for the last few years. Once bud, especially once bud moved up and then they started fighting the same guys and doing the same things to them, essentially. Like, I, I mean, bud was finishing them in much more, you know, um, emphatic fashion, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but it's that ne- but I, neither one wanted to like back down throughout no, the course of like, it to yeah. say like, because Bub was like, no, like I'm ready for this fight. Like it's time, let's make this happen. He was like, nah, like you're not even on my level yet. And he was like, what do you mean? You're not on my level yet. Like I'm right. on the come up. You're just staying. You're you're where you are. And he's like, nah, that's not how it works. Look at my numbers versus your numbers. And it's like mm-hmm. Bud was never backing down to that. He was like, well, I don't I don't care about these numbers. Let's get this fight in. Yeah. And so it was. Yeah. It's it's gonna be. It's going to be a lot because it's not going to be like fireworks in your face, but it's like that subtle, real beef because each person wants to be the top dog. So, yeah, yeah. well, I think Bud, I think Bud resented that a little bit because it's like the reason it didn't happen for so long was because, you know, Spence felt like Bud wasn't on his level from a from a, you know, big fight standpoint. And Bud's just like. Dude, I don't care about any of that shit. I just want to any be in the ring. It's, it's, once <laughs> we're in the ring, once we're in the ring, yeah. it doesn't matter how many butts are in the seats and who's selling, exactly. who's, who's there to watch. Who like, I want. We this is for our legacies, you know, and that's what exactly. he's been chasing this whole time. So, uh, like that's that's my question for Robbie. Like, this thing has whole. It, Tony and I were talking about this uh, before we started, before we got on air. Here is like the trajectory they've both been on. Like both of their ascensions are on 
like it's a parallel timeline, right? They were different weight classes, but they've kind of both been on this rise together. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bud's been like the kind of like the underground king. Like, um, obviously Omaha's got his back, uh, but he doesn't get he hasn't gotten the respect like nationally in the mainstream level until until he moved up and started like sparking guys that had some notoriety to him. Mm-hmm. And Spence has been kind of like the guy who was coronated from the minute he turned pro, essentially. Like he was the next big thing. Um, he was the guy that was gonna take over that 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 Pacquiao Mayweather, you know, non heavyweight like part of boxing and be the next superstar. And he's kind of had that. There's 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 pressure to that in 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 itself. Like Spence deserves a lot of credit for for matching that hype. But it's been like, you know, it's been one of those things where Spence is kind of Spence kind of got that from the jump, and all he had to do was live up to it. Crawford's kind of had to like take everything in order to earn his status. Like, wh- how, what part of that dynamic do you think is playing into this um, as they get ready to go? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of it, right? And because. Bud seems to have a chip on his shoulder about, well, I mean, about a lot of things, but like he just kind of has sure a lot of things, you know, like he, he, he comes into this with, you, you know, if you're the guy and not that I have any experience here, but if you're the guy that's had to work your ass off for everything, then you resent the guy that just gets handed the things that you want. Right. And I think that's probably how Bud looks at that Errol Spence is that Errol Spence was just, the doors were opened for him. And honestly, I think it goes back to the Olympic thing, is Errol Spence was in the Olympics, made the Olympics, and Bud wasn't. Bud didn't have, because that's kind of that goal. And listen, it often doesn't work out, right? Is, oh, you go to the Olympics, and then a lot of those guys don't become anything as pro boxers. But that was kind of the old school path of, you go to the Olympics, you show out, then you turn pro, and you kind of have this path laid out for you in terms of, of your way to superstardom as a boxer. And as long as you win along the way, that's that path is going to lead you where you want to go. Well, since Bud didn't have that, he kind of had to do it the hard way. And I think when you have to do it the hard way, and then you look at somebody who had to do it the easy way, there's some animosity there. Um, and cause I'm sure that Bud thinks he's a better fighter than Spence. I think Bud thinks he's a better fighter than everybody. And I do too, for the record, Everybody that he has faced, there's, you know, there's never been really any question about that, but I think it makes him mad that people genuinely, there are people out there that genuinely think Spence is better than him. And that, I think that drives him more than anything else, especially because he had to do it the hard way, right? If you got a couple guys that both came up the easy way, the resentment for other, other people thinking that the other dude's better than you. I don't feel like runs as deep, but when you did it the hard way and you've proven yourself along the way, every single step, and there is a track record of why you should be the number one pound for pound or the number one in the division or given the respect. And then some people still think the other guy is better than you. Then that runs a lot deeper. Tony, as someone, you know, who's, who chronicled, you know, buds rise kind of from the inside out there. Like how much, what do you feel like this fight? Um, what part of the story is it for him in terms of his motivation and how, how primed he is for this opportunity to finally be at his, at his fingertips? Well, I would be shocked if we didn't see the best Bud Crawford ever on Saturday night. And if he, for some reason we don't, then 
you have to chalk it up to father time because he is getting up there in age. And I know that he's already probably two years past um, what he thought he would retire at, you know, when he first talked about that way back in his twenties, like I was going to fight till like 32, 33. And, and now we're in his mid thirties, but there's a pandemic in there that, you know, kind of uh, kept him out of the ring along with everyone else for the most part. And uh, you know, these, these issues with promoters where, the, the group that Spence was with not working with the group that Cropper was with has kind of elongated everything. So he's only fought uh, like once a year now, a couple of times that's lengthened this out to where now he's, in, you know, in his mid thirties and, and still doing this. But the reason I think that he's going to be at his peak because a, he has always wanted the big fight and now he's going to have a chance to finally get it. Uh, secondly, he's had to, uh, to wait for this and, um, as any of us that have ever crossed paths with Crawford knows, he's incredibly competitive, probably more so than anybody any of us will ever know. And there's going to be a chip on his shoulder because he's had to wait for this fight. Spence fought absolutely everybody he could have fought before this while making Crawford sit and wait. And I don't think that's going to play out well for Errol Spence on, on Saturday night because... Crawford's going to be that much more hungry uh, going into than any of that, or even uh, what Spence himself is Crawford's only one that's about history, making history, uh, creating a le- legacy. Um, he already with the, the things that he's done is going to be a first, but uh, after becoming only the, you know, third guy ever to hold all four belts in a weight class in the four belt era to be the first guy to do it twice is going to be on his mind. And I don't think that that, uh, should be, uh, you know, dismissed going into uh, to Saturday night because he's chasing a different history than what Spence is. Spence is trying to join the group that, that is now becoming more and more um, apparent in, in boxing. We're having more four belt champions than what we had allow these unification fights to happen but to, for Crawford to become the first guy to do it in two different weight classes sets him apart from everybody else and I think that um, at the end of the day if he has a big night on Saturday night Crawford could probably walk away and be thought of along the lines of Floyd Mayweather in a sense of modern day greats that probably would stack up over time yeah I feel he, that's one, the history he's chasing on Saturday night no I, I totally agree with you and actually like I, I think there's some things that are kind of out there already that if you read between the lines a little bit, you can kind of see where Crawford's head's at. One is that kind of like that wry, like he's got a weird swagger about him for this fight. Like it's it's calmed, like calculated focus. And I think it's just because he knows this is his this is his pinnacle fight. Like this is the one he's been chasing. This is the one that matters the most to him in his entire career. And the other part of it is too, like I I've I've seen it. Um, I he, I don't think he's confirmed it. I could be wrong, but I've seen it where the the rematch clause that they have for this fight is the loser's decision. So, and I've seen reports that if Crawford drops this, he doesn't necessarily want the rematch. And I think it's I think it plays off of what you're saying. Like he's kind of at he kind of knows he's at the end of his career probably, and this is just like he's just he's just chasing legacy now. Like he wants. He knows that on Saturday night he has an opportunity where if he beats Errol Spence in any kind of fashion that he's cemented it and there's not much else for him to chase. Like he's got a family, he's his status in the Omaha community is set. Like he's a maid. He's like he can he can essentially go off into the next phase of his life where he's 
he's uh, an example for the next generation as opposed to chasing his own legacy. And I think that's what he knows. Like this Saturday night, not only is the biggest fight of his career, it could be the last fight of his career. And I think that's kind of like the the energy I'm seeing from him is like he's 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 locked into the point where he knows like this is going to define this is the cherry on top of a great career. He'll be an all time great whether he wins or loses. But if he wins, like there's there's he's 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 on that status forever. You know what I mean? He'll never come off of it. Um, so let's talk about like kind of the ins and outs of the matchup a little bit. Uh, because it's a fascinating fight. Like Crawford's kind of like the thinking man's fighter in there. And I think that's why people kind of get I, I, misunderstood about him, you know, because he's a guy who's been finishing people left and right. He's got an incredible finish rate for someone his size. Um, but it's not like, it's not how you'd expect it. I think people would see a, a, a guy who could finish like, that to just come out swinging, just have um, unbelievable aggression, and he's not like that. You know what I mean? He he's very calculated. He's he's considered a slow starter, but it's because he's kind of like, you know, he's just making the reads early, and once he gets his flow in terms of what he how he wants to attack his opponent, like that's when he, he collects. To would open you, would up you say would you say that he collects data? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's collecting data exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. That's a theme on this pod. Yes. Brud Crawford is definitely someone who collects data in the ring. Um, and then the thing that makes him special as a finisher is once he's got you hurt, he's so precise that he doesn't need to like like just for not just precise, he's mean. No, he is mean, but he but like, well, he has when bad guys intentions. get a, when guys get a knockdown in boxing, you get that standing eight and then referee uh checks you, lets you go. And usually what you see after that is someone like you have 10 to 12 punches to put this guy away or you have to back off and, and, and not punch yourself out. Like Bud doesn't do it like that. Bud will hurt you, put you down. And then he knows you're in rough shape. So it's one or two more clean ones. You're done. So he like is very, very calculated about where he lands those, how he opens them up. He's not a typical, like hurt you and then wail on you type of fighter. He's like, I hurt you. And I'm going to come in and it's like one, two, three more very very strategically placed shots and you're done um it's it's incredibly unique the way he finishes people i don't i've never seen a fighter like that so i'm curious like that's the one thing that makes bud special as a finisher is it's not just like unchecked rage and aggression mm-hmm. once he gets you hurt like it's calculated the entire time he's always on that level he's never he's never deviating from it especially once he's leading the dance he doesn't really give it up um so i'm curious like jordan how do you feel about like the tools that each guy brings to this fight, where where Spence has the edges, in your opinion, and where Crawford has the edges, uh, like how this thing's going to go, basically, on Saturday. Well, I think, to your point, like, was that, and what I think is that it's just like, with Bud, it's, he figures out what you, how you don't want to get hit, and then just consistently will do that at the right times and exploit you when he can. And then that's what wears on you. And then he just finished has that, like you were saying, the incredible finishing ability where he's like, yeah, no, I just beat you down and you didn't even realize it until like two, three rounds later. And then he's like, yeah, no, I'm good in previous fights. Right. But like, I think the way, I don't know. I, so I think, I mean, that's what I think is going to happen. I think it's just going to, he's going to wear Spence down to the point and then 
really figure out like, okay, this is how I can finish him. And I, I'm I'm an optimist, man. You know me, so I think he's gonna knock him out. I know that's crazy. I know that's crazy, but maybe knock everybody. Yeah, you might as well just keep the streak. That's what that's what I think it's going because that's what I'm saying, and I think. To Tony's point, we will be seeing the best Bud Crawford because I think he is just so ready for this. Like you said, he like he's approaching this with a way different calm sense that I've ever seen in any of his fights. And so I'm I'm thinking it's gonna just wear on Spence. But I think the way that Spence gets him is just that if he doesn't like if he changes it up so much that he doesn't let him ever like I guess calculate to the point where he hey can figure out what he was doing. That's where I see. I guess Spence could have something playing devil's advocate there, but you know, I I I just don't see it going that way. I see him just wearing on him way too much for this one. Avi, what do you what do you think when when in terms of how this thing sizes up? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Spence has just about all the physical tools you would want. I mean, I don't think that's a hot take by any means. Um, I think Bud does too, for the most part. Like I'm, I don't look at Bud and be like, ah, I wish you had this or you know, like bud can do everything you would want him to do spence can do everything you want him to do what changes it for me is like bud might be a savant in the ring in a way that i just don't know that we see yeah, um, i don't know you can take the might off of that one for sure yeah this, well yeah. that's fair he just the way he processes things the way he's his ability to stay composed because he knows he's losing fights early because he chooses to collect data and and like you guys said and and just figure things out but he doesn't panic he doesn't worry about it he knows that he's got time and like those rounds start to move pretty fast at some point it'd be really easy to get sped up or to start to press a little bit and he never does and like the way he processes information after he collects it the way he finds holes in everybody he's never failed to find a hole to exploit in somebody else's game because everybody has them, right? Nobody's a perfect fighter. And so he's got all the physical abilities to then exploit those weaknesses once he finds them. And it is an unbelievable ability to mix the knowledge, like the IQ that he has with boxing, with the physical ability to execute it. And this is why I brought up him being mean as, a, as, as what I was saying before is then he executes with bad intentions. Like when I watched Floyd, I never really watched Floyd and was like, that man wants to hurt people. That man wanted to make money and he didn't want to get hit. And that's cool. Like he made a great, he was, and he was very, very good at not getting hit. Yeah. He was incredible at it. Right. Mm-hmm. But is almost as good at not getting hit, but then he wants to hurt you. And that's what really separates him because to have all of those things within the same fighter is remarkably rare. And then he also has this other thing, and and Damon was talking about this earlier. Um, I had him on the, the morning show today that, well, I had him as a guest on his own show because he was out of town. <laughs> but um, like he he's able to take him to a place himself to a place mentally that you see with the like hyper elite level athletes, like Michael Jordan could take himself to a place mentally that almost nobody else could take themselves to. That's why he was such a hard teammate to deal with because nobody else could get to the place that he wanted them to get to whether physically or mentally. Right. I think bud has that and he doesn't have to drag anybody else along with him because it's not a team sport. Right. So his ability to go to a place, you know, they, they talk about like, 
taking a fighter out to deep waters. Bud lives in the deep waters. He loves the deep waters. He's fine with the deep waters. And he knows he can drown you out there. And he relishes in it. Like, that's such a weird combination to have that level of IQ, that level of ability to physically execute, and that much bad intention in wanting to do it. Like, it's... I don't, I don't know that people appreciate how rare of a combination that is, at least not, you know, I know a lot of people that in Omaha especially are just, they're Bud Crawford fans and that's awesome. But if you like watch a lot of fighting and Tony, you can attest to this probably more than I can. Um, Cause you've, I'm sure you've seen more fights than I have, but like, I don't, you don't see that almost ever. Yeah. I think the one thing, I mean, Tony, like, when I look at this matchup, there's a couple things that are interesting to me. One is Bud isn't on Orthodox or Southpaw. He's both, right? So it's just it's just a matter of what he de- what he decides is his. No, I'd agree to that, path. Robbie, for sure. Um, yeah. Sorry, we're a little far on timing there. You with me? God bless Zoom. I think Tony's on a little bit of a delay. Not to get the craziest delay response. We <laughs> are gonna get a delay. All gonna come in. Here it comes. Here it goes. Ready? Yeah. So yeah, Tony. What I was just gonna say, like when I'm when I'm looking at this matchup, and the one the one thing that's really interesting to me is like what Bud decides to do and how Spence deals with like if he obviously once everybody once Bud goes southpaw, everybody kind of gets like their antenna up, you know, because that's kind of where he really really gets good, um, but. Spence is a southpaw, so it's like it's different, you know. And the, I mean, Spence has kind of talked like I've trained with southpaws. I fought fought southpaws as an amateur. He hasn't really fought very many. I think he's fought maybe two or three as a pro, maybe even just two. Um, and they weren't on Bud's level. So like that's that's an interesting little dynamic there because if if Bud is like coming at him from an orthodox stance, like then it brings that piston straight left from. Spence into the equation, which is just like a really, really dangerous weapon for him. You know, it's kind of like how he just breaks everybody down. He's really good at changing levels. He works the body really well. Um, and physically, like he's got the advantage in this fight because he is at his natural weight, essentially. Like, I mean, he's not really his natural weight because he does cut down to it, but you know, he's the bigger guy. So if you're picking one person to wear the other down, that's definitely the box that Spence checks. Um and if Bud chooses not to fight him at Southpaw, especially early in the fight, it allows Spence to at least get comfortable because he's used to fighting, you know, the orthodox fighter from the Southpaw stance. Like, how do you see the early tit for tat going when you look at who, like, the, the, the tactics that each guy will use to accentuate their strengths and, and make the other guys uncomfortable and break as much timing as they possibly can early in this fight? Well, Matt, I think that you asked what I think the biggest question is, is how is Crawford going to choose to fight Spence? prior to this so i wouldn't be shocked if take a step back and admire crawford's work ethic into becoming as good as a southpaw because throughout his career as far as switch back and forth but he never really used it to like a real strategic advantage until the fight when he first made his like hbo debut against Brady's prescott and it was all about 
staying away from Bradis Prescott's right hand. So he went southpaw in that fight and fought almost exclusively that way, uh, just kept circling to stay away from the right hand, and he won that fight going away. If you look at Crawford as a southpaw then to Crawford as a southpaw now, they don't even almost look like the same fighter because he is so much better at it at this point. Um, you would not you would not even know that he's not a natural left-hander because he is right-handed. And uh, often when he has fought as a southpaw, when he's gotten guy in trouble, you'll see he'll, he'll quickly switch back to the orthodox stance because that's his power side and it puts his right hand back. Um, but he, he chooses not to fight that way uh, in a lot of cases uh, just because he's become comfortable in the ring you know, as a lefty. So I think the question you ask is like one of the biggest ones I have going in there. How does Crawford choose to do this and, and what kind of impact does that have on the fight? Um, but um, and going back to, to what you asked about Jordan and Robbie, I think um, it, kind of combining the two. Crawford is a guy with more tools in the shed. Definitely. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, he also has the ability to change a fight within a fight much more than anybody else, uh, probably in the history of the sport, not just actively in the sport and certainly more than Spence. So um, I think that Crawford will find a comfortable way to fight against Spence, who is more of a straightforward fighter and, and a guy that wants to put pressure on you. But the thing is that that's right in Crawford's wheelhouse. And I know that Spence has talked a lot uh, leading up to this. So Crawford gets hit too much or whatever. Crawford has chosen to get hit more than he needs to, to be a more exciting fighter. If he actually thought he was in trouble in any of these fights at welterweight, he would not be fighting, you know, he just Kavalowskis the way that he did. He took a big shot in that because he wanted to show that he could stand up against a big welterweight and take the punch and give the punch. Uh, he could easily be the Crawford on Saturday that fought Bradis Prescott so many years ago, back in 2013 and, you know, make this a, a, a chess match, a boxing match. And Spence doesn't land hardly anything. And he walks out of there with a really boring victory that everybody hates. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but Crawford does have, you know, that going. Um, Matt, agree with you 100%. The physical advantages are all Spence's. The one that I think has been ignored almost completely in this is the wear and tear of life itself on these guys. Yes, Crawford is the older guy by about two years, maybe two and a half even, I think it is. Um, but Spence has been in as many car accidents, bad Key car point. accidents in the last Key two point. years that he's been in fights. Uh, he had the one that he should have never been able to walk away from, let alone fight again. And then he had another one after that that was a head-on collision. He's had two bad car accidents in two fights in the last two years. Crawford has pretty much led a clean life as far as like staying away from the party and staying away from the extracurriculars. Yes, he goes up in weight and down in weight like every other boxer and things like that, but he has not uh, been Ricky Hatton where he's gotten completely out of shape um, in, in uh, off times of fighting and then had to cut way back to get back down or, or like what Artur Gatti used to do just to get down to this exact same weight class where he walked around at 180 something and then cut back to 147. Crawford walks around in his 160s and gets to 147 just like he did uh, down to 140. So Crawford may be the older guy and the smaller guy, but he is probably the fresher body of the two. And I just don't think that's getting talked about enough because I think that, you know, the wear and tear of what Spence has been through physically, not just in boxing, but outside of it, I think is going to like rear its ugly head at some point on Saturday night when, you know, we do get into the deep waters and, you know, suddenly things that you thought were okay after the fact don't feel as good after they've been taking punishment for a few rounds. Yeah. So I want to get into everybody's predictions now as we close this up, but I want to play off of what Tony just said there a little bit, because that's been the one interesting thing for me that as I've watched the build up to this is like, I love where, like, I think 
Bud right now is actually the favorite, like barely. Like it's a still kind of a pick 'em, but he's technically the betting favorite as of today. Um agreed. Doug, is that Doug or Tallahassee? Which one's that? Is that Rocky? That was Tally. Tally? <laughs> yeah, I agree, Tally. Um uh I I think the thing with Spence is like what Tony said is like there's some mileage there that isn't accounted for because it wasn't accumulated in the ring. But everyone that's like team Spence and it's it's a lot of guys who um have some status in boxing too, which is my favorite part of it, is because everything leading up to this right now is that Bud has just picked off uh Spence's scraps to this point. You know what I mean? That's how he got it. Like everybody kind of uh um downplayed the annihilation of Kell Brook, which is like if anybody's followed Kell Brook's career, like he he he's never gotten put out like that. I mean, the dude was literally asking what happened, what I get hit with. That has never happened to him. And now that he's not fighting anymore, it's, it won't ever happen to him. Bud Crawford did something to him that no one's ever done. He fought Gennady Golovkin, he fought Spence. Um, that never no one no one did that to that dude. You know what I mean? Nobody. And the thing is, people dismiss that because, oh, well, Kell fought Gennady and Spence before he fought Crawford, and he was 34 when he fought Bud. And it's like, okay, Bud was coming off of a 12-month layoff, I believe. It was in a, in a pandemic. There was no crowd, no buzz. It was just him and Brooke and their families. <laughs> you know, it was, like a, it was like a back alley street fight, essentially. Um, and the when, when Spence fought Brooke, he was coming off of the Gennady performance where he had to come back down from super middleweight, uh, cut all that muscle down. Like he, and he was tuning Spence up for seven rounds before he ran out of gas. And then Spence unloaded that piston straight left, uh, and busted his eye. And that was the beginning of the end for the last three rounds. Like, so still there's questions for each guy, I think. And it's unfair that Bud has gotten more of that as his career has gone on. But the funny part for me in the lead up to this is everybody thinking that Bud is the guy that's touchable and Spence isn't. And I'm like, I love that because that makes because when and if it happens on Saturday night where your where your guy with the shield, like the metal shield, gets touched up and gets wobbled, and that's how the beginning of the end starts. I don't want to hear like revisionist history where you say, Oh, well, Spence was, you know, Spence wasn't Spence wasn't in his prime anymore. He wasn't the same guy after the car crash. Like, no, you already said Bud's walking dealing with a monster right now. So you can't walk that back anymore. So I love that that's how the talk has gone from Spence side, Spence's side of things. Because then now it doesn't give them the out that Bud beat a washed fighter on Saturday if he does beat him. I think that's um, why they're leaving the car accident thing out. Like That's why it's not being yeah. talked about. So they're like, yeah. oh, this is what we can go back on. I'm like, I think his depth perception might be off. Because like one car accident, I'm just you like, oh, your body. Though, so, yeah. The second one, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, your depth perception is just completely off now. So... I don't know. Side note, but another reason, but on bet, bet on Bud Crawford. Yeah, but I want to get into everybody's predictions now because I, I want to, like, Jordan, how do you think the fight's going to go? And, like, how do you think your winner pulls it <laughs> off? Ooh, I, well, I already I gave my spoiler. I got Bud. I want to knock out. I, I, see, I'm going with what I want versus there's, there's what I want, and then there's what I do think is going to happen. Um, But either way, I do think I said it before. I just think it's going to get. I think Bud is so locked into this one that it's like, like we've been just talking about that. He's going to come out so calculated where in these fights where I, these fights that where I think you can defeat yourself early, just mentally is when you're just too caught up in the early rounds 
And I just don't see that happening. He's never really fought like that. So I don't see that happening. I see it him getting real strategic around, I want to say, around seven or eight right there. And that's where I think it's going to, like, in, in, in that three-round span, I think that's where my knockout's going to happen, if it's going to happen. Um, I mean, maybe could be later, but I just think if – Bud usually, if Bud sees something, he's going to capitalize. I think it's going to be in those middle rounds, like a little bit there. Um, but if not, I think he's just going to still wear on him. And I think he's just like, I, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to come down to his conditioning and where he's at and how much he wants this. And I don't think since he's not going to, he's not going to like give too much early, but he's really going to lock in when it's winning time. And so I think that he's, he's, he's a fourth quarter guy, man. He's a fourth quarter guy. So I think he's going to, he'll put him away in the fourth quarter somehow, maybe early third, but yeah, my man buzz. I, I'm, I want knockout. I'll go. If I have to make the safe bet, I'll say, yeah. Wins, wins in the whole thing. He'll go the whole the 12. Yeah. Ravi, what you got? Um, I'm taking bud TKO 10. Okay. Um, I think he's going to feel him out for about four rounds. Um, kind of feel – I think he's going to probably start off in southpaw to kind of avoid that uh, that that shot that you keep talking about from Spence, kind of keep it off of him a little bit. Um, kind of five through eight, I think he's going to start exploiting some of the things that he figures out early and start wearing on Spence a little bit. Rounds nine and ten, I think he's gonna start hurting him. I think he I think he puts him down in ten. Okay. Tony. I'm gonna preface what I say just by uh, with a little lead up here. The yeah, fun thing do. for like national folks to do, and uh I, I don't know since you know we're all local for Crawford, um, we probably don't fall into that category. I try to pride myself on being the not Crawford Homer, but more of a realistic thinker about it. But the fun thing for the national guys to do and, and what a lot of pro Spence people have done is piss Well, before I get to my prediction, I, I just kind of want to set it up by saying this, that the fun thing for pro Spence and, and maybe even some national guys to do coming into this thing is to, to piss on Crawford's resume to this point by saying he didn't fight anybody who's he beat at 147 while acting like, you know, Spence has had this great run at 147 and he's beaten some world champions, a lot of names that people know. So I can get the whole Spence's resume looks better. Let's take a look at who Spence really fought and, and when they fought them. And things like that too, and I think that you'll find. At least certainly not that much more impressive. So he fought Kelbrook and won the title, and that's when he became the champion. And was in that fight until you know Golovkin broke his orbital bone, and you know Spence had to cut weight, get back down, try to now as a one-loss fighter retain his title uh, against uh, a hot-shot youngster in, in Errol Spence, and he ended up breaking an orbital bone again in uh, in a fight that he was in. It was it was a 50-50 fight at that point, and, and Brooke was actually having you know better moments than Spence was to the point to when he got hurt. Uh, but that's how he became the champion. But as we mentioned, Crawford. Um, you know, did to Brooke what nobody had done to Brooke, even though it was, you know, a good three years later. Uh, you can take out the Sean Porter fight. They both fought Sean Porter. Uh, it was a couple of years 
parts. Yes, Porter maybe had a foot out the door when he fought Crawford, but nobody had done to Porter what Crawford did to Porter either. So um, those two guys, let's take them out because they are the same. The other fights at 147 for Errol Spence that for seemingly has given him this like great status are wins over Lamont Peterson, who is a champion at 140, not at 147, a win over Danny Garcia, who has lost every significant fight he's had at 147, even though he and was lost, a unified champion. And lost a Bud as an amateur. And lost a Bud yes. as an amateur. Yeah. 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 Actually, he and Bud split uh, amateur fights, but yes. Um, and, and his, his other fights uh, of note were, were was against Mikey Garcia, who was a 135 pounder who came up two weight classes for it. His only, the only guy he fought that was a true, like 147 pound guy, other than the guys we just mentioned, would be Ugas in his last fight and Carlos Ocampo, who is not on this level at all. It was kind of a fill in fight and only lasted one round against Spence. So his 147 pound resume isn't that great. And you can almost argue by Crawford beating uh, Horn, Kavalowskis, and Avenesian in his last fight actually probably fought more true 147 pound guys than what Spence has. Now, they weren't name guys like everybody else, but they were like true welterweights. Lamont Peterson was not a true welterweight. Mikey Garcia was not a true welterweight. And Danny Garcia, even though he's now at 154, was not a true welterweight in the sense of top level beating the top guys. He just still had a big name. And by the way, I think Crawford finishes every single one of those guys that uh, that Spence fought and beat. And, and a lot of those, and that includes Mikey Garcia, and a lot of those you know, didn't in, in a stoppage win for Spence. So that all being said, um, I agree with everything that everyone else has said so far. Um, I do think Crawford takes over this fight late. I've never been one to p- predict a Crawford knockout, and I'm actually kind of surprised that he keeps finding ways to finish these guys. But you would not go into these fights thinking that he's going to stop them. But at some point, there's just a breaking point. And I think that that will come for Spence. Now, I don't know that he'll end up, you know, out of the fight, it might go off. But I think that a lot of the time it gets to 12, the the end result is not going to be in doubt. I think that there will be a point probably around the time that, that, that Robbie brought up, you know, nine or 10, where you're going to say that this is Crawford's fight and, you know, is Spence going to make it to the finish line now, not is, uh, you know, Spence going to win this fight. And the only way he's still in it at that point is if somehow Spence does something early on to build up enough points on the scorecard that Crawford has to chase him down while he's taking control of the fight later on. But honestly, I just don't feel like there's going to be enough happening in those first couple of rounds to make it decisive. I really would be surprised. tactical while each guy is trying to figure out the other yeah 100 percent um so here the, the way i feel about this fight is so the thing with bud is like like i like i said he you know and as everybody else said on this round table as well um the thing with bud is like once he processes everything he figures out how he wants to proceed to victory and then it's on essentially like it's that's the, that's what he executes from that point on the thing with spence and i don't mean to say this like in a like disrespectful he's overrated kind of way um but spence is 
extremely good at what he does, but what he does is extremely fundamental. And, and I don't, I hesitate to use the word basic, but it's like he has the same style every round on the thing that changes with Spence is a, his tempo and B like physically, he's able to do things to people with the exception of, I guess maybe Kel Brook. Um, but the Brook thing was like more of Brooks gas tank ran out than Spence overwhelmed him. Um, like my thing is like Spence wears on people and that's how he takes over late in fights, but he doesn't ever, he's not like a plan B C guy. He's, execute plan a to the best of your ability the thing that changes throughout his fights is his tempo and his work rate and like that's where his bread is buttered kind of thing Crawford is a guy who has multiple plans of attack going in and he'll he'll process them in the ring and and utilize them as he sees as he sees them open up so uh, the thing with this fight to me is like how how long it takes bud to figure out where he can exploit openings and for me once he decides how he wants to do this and i think he's going to go southpaw relatively early just because that's something that spence hasn't seen a lot of looks of in ring and it's something that bud knows he hasn't seen a lot of in ring so he's curious like maybe how that goes um but also the thing with me is like i think spence's most dangerous punch is that straight left like i think it sets up a lot of stuff for him um and I, I think Bud will probably want to neutralize that at some point early in the fight. And once that happens, I'm not really sure what Spence's plan B is because we haven't seen it ever. Mm-hmm. So I see I see Bud going southpaw early, second or third round, and I see him starting to do things that Spence hasn't dealt with in the ring before. And once we see how Spence deals with that, that's going to determine how the rest of this fight goes. And like credit to him, if he has a plan B and a plan C, um, then we're going to see a really, really, really fun tactical fight. If he doesn't, it's going to be all, it's all going to come down to how much dog he has in him. And I think that's where I think we're going to see a special fight. And I'm, that's why I'm actually not predicting a knockout is because the things that, the things that I've seen from Spence are aside from him being basic. Cause I know it's kind of insulting when you call a boxer basic, but like he's tough. Like he's gotten hit a lot. That's why I think the, the thing with his chin is silly. Cause he has gotten tagged like in every fight almost that he's fought in, like he's gotten wobbled, tagged. He hasn't been put down, but he's been tagged. And the thing that, the thing that his, his, his defense mechanism is a swing back. Like he doesn't, and he's very good at using high guard. So he absorbs shots. He rolls with shots very well. And it's hard to pile up. It's hard to put one or two together. Once you hurt him, like once you hurt him, he's very good at defending himself, rolling with punches, not letting that, you know, pile up and then he swings back on you and it's just a dog fight. Bud's the same way. When Bud gets tagged, he swings back. You know what I mean? He doesn't cover up. He doesn't take a knee. He doesn't look for an account. He swings back. So it's all going to be, to me, it's all going to be about once Bud chooses plan B, once, which is essentially his plan A, because basically he's going to say, like, what's Spence good at? What can I exploit? That's when the fight starts essentially for me. If Spence, if, if Bud hurts him, what happens then that deti- that determines what kind of fight we're going to see. And I think Spence is going to respond to that because I think this fight means a lot to him too. Uh, maybe not as much as it means to bud, but I think it means a lot to him. And I think he's going to, ant- I think both guys are going to rise to the challenge and we're going to see an all timer of a war. And I think it's going to go the distance. I do think that bud is going to have cleaner performance and the damage count is going to be more memorable to the point where I think he's going to get the nod on the judges scorecards. The thing I, that scares me about that is like, you never know 
how judges are going to go, and they often don't go according to public opinion. So that's a relevant part to me, but I think Bud is going to have the cleaner performance, and I think he's going to win on the public scorecard um, because he's just going to have he's going to have more of the answers, and Spence will have more of the questions that won't be answered, and that's how the fight's going to go, in my opinion. Um, I think it's just a difference of I think it's a difference of tacticians. Like Spence is physically more imposing, and he's extremely fundamentally sound, and though that's his path to victory. Bud is extremely precise. One thing everybody talks about that fights him is like he lands shots you don't think he can land. So he's very good at breaking guard, which is something that Spence is good at defending. Like his high guard is hard to break, but Bud finds a way through those things. And that's always something that shocks guys that he fights because he hits you with things you don't think he can hit you with. And then once you feel that, you kind of go into a little like a panic, a little bit, a trance almost because you don't know how to stop him from hitting you with those stuff anymore. So I think that's what's going to determine this this outcome is like Bud's going to Bud's going to hit Spence with stuff he doesn't think that Bud should be able to hit him with, and I think that's going to start a spiral of Spence kind of losing the upper hand in this fight, and he's going to be essentially chasing a knockout in the later rounds, and it's going to have it's going to force him to open up things that's going to lead him to getting hit more um, by Bud, and it's it's only going to make it worse. I think so. That's kind of how I see it going. Does anybody else have anything to add to that before? We wrap up our roundtable. No, I mean I'll just say that I'm a homer, but I think, <laughs> I think, we're all, I think it's okay. I think Bud's putting him down. I really do. Like I just, yeah. I think he's putting him down. I don't, man. I just, I got a feeling about it, and I, there's a like I said, there's there's a meanness to Bud when he's in that ring that to go along with all the boxing stuff that I just, I don't know that Errol Spence is, is going to know what he got in the ring with. Like a lot of those guys, like he's retired a couple guys recently. <laughs> like he is, he's made them no longer want to participate in the sport. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not saying he's going to retire Errol Spence, but I think he's, I think Errol Spence is going to, is going to wonder what he's doing there at some point. Jordan, Tony, anything to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I'd like to add this, um, and this is if Crawford does what we all have now predicted that he will do on Saturday night, um, I really hope that locally um, the sports community uh, mm. in Omaha area and in Nebraska really takes a look at what Crawford has done in a historical perspective because I have been fighting the fight for years, way back to when he became a unified champion and was the fighter of the year. So what Crawford is doing is on Bob Gibson, Gale Sayers like status, like the best in your sport at the time that you are participating in said sport. Mm -hmm. I really hope that once Saturday night happens and and he he should be thought of that way, whether he wins or loses. Right. But I hope that that's the platform that he really needs for everybody to say, oh, okay, now I understand what you're talking about. We may be talking about the best fighter in the sport. Oh, yeah. And he's from our hometown or he's from our place here in Omaha, Nebraska. So I really hope that everyone locally understands how historic what's happening really has. And because it's, it's great to be able to, you know, enjoy it as a public, you know, in the moment as it happens, it's easy to go back and, and say that like, man, in their day, Gibson and Sayers were so great. Crawford is so great and he's still active. Let's enjoy that. 100%. Can't add anything to that. Well said. Scare. Want to close this out? 
I'm ready for Saturday night, man. I'm ready to put this on the projector and get to it. Let's go. Yeah, no, 100% with all those sentiments. And Tony's spot on. Like, he is he is already a legend. And the fact that this is probably – that this might be his last one because you don't know – like I said, the loser kind of controls the the fate of the rematch. Um, and it's possible that this is Bud's last fight. So, you know, that coronation that's long overdue, it's, it, it needs to come, you know, starting minute that final bell – Sounds whatever it is, if it's a count, if it's a number, if it's a wave, if, or if it's a bell, um, his legacy is needs to be set in stone or needs to be honored, um, you know, in, in accordance to what what he's pulled off. So, totally build the there. statue, build, build the statue, build this, let's build go. multiple statues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm with that. Yeah. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to this uh, special edition of Scurrying the Scrub. Um, hope you guys are all as hyped for fight week as we are. Two more days, and it's go time. So, get your plans in order. Um, and get ready to enjoy a, a legendary fight because this is an all timer. Um, you know, I, I, Tony's been watching the sport longer than most any uh, half the people in this um podcast have been alive. I have as well. We all grew up. We all grew up in it. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, this is not this is not hyperbole to say this is like a legendary fight. And if it if it if it if the action lives up to um what the resumes have built up in this one, like you're gonna see one that's remembered for for decades on decades, not just years on years. So it's going to be good. Um, Hope everybody enjoyed the podcast. I hope everybody has a good weekend and enjoys the fight. We'll talk to you all soon. Um, Yeah. Have a good one.